forward. So the next lecture is going to be on uh, cook chill and I'm going to do the cook part and then Andrea's going to take over for the chill part. So it's one of these uh, tag team kinds of things. Um, so here's the outline. I tend to like outlines, keeps me on track and uh, helps organize the lecture. So just a little bit on history. So over the course of history, food preservation has been really crucial to humans, right? Because we like to travel, we like to explore, we go places, we have to feed armies. Um, so it's been very important throughout uh, history. Okay? So it's led to significant changes. And I have a little chart here that I made. So about half a million, or about 500,000 BC, we start with fire cooking. Are we still do doing that today? Essentially, yeah, <laughs> right? Not much has changed. So we work our way all the way up through history. We have a little bit of dehydration technology, working our way up, jams and jellies uh, around uh, 600 AD invented, all the way up to the modern era where we ha are now using chemicals to help preserve our food. So still using some of the old technologies, but a lot of newer technologies as well. Um, I'm kind of a history buff, so Today is October 16th, right? In 1753, in France, on this day, does everybody remember a gal named Marie Antoinette? What happened to her? She lost her head. Yep, she lost her head. She was beheaded for treason. So, another interesting fact today, in 1958, uh, Chevrolet uh, introduced the El Camino. Does everybody remember the old El Camino? One of my good friends in high school had one of those. Oh man, those things were awesome. <laughs> kind of a car-truck combo. So um, just a few things that happened today. So in the history of human preservation, uh, progress has really been about four main processing paradigm shifts. So from early humans till the early 1950s, we're mainly concentrating on safe food, right? You don't want to die when you eat your food. Well, from the 1960s to the 1980s, the next 20 years, we were concentrating on not only safe foods, but we wanted them to have desirable sensory properties as well. So we always, always have wanted to eat good food, but this is mainly about processing, you know, producing food for large numbers of, of people. Then from uh, the 1990s to the 2000s, we want safe, high-quality food, that is nutritionally sound. Okay. And now we want safe, nutritious, high quality food that delivers specific functions. So it keeps getting tougher for you guys, right? The, your consumers, your customers, they want more. Okay. So this is all going to be driven by innovation in science and engineering. Um, anybody have kids, grandkids? Kids, everybody has kids or grandkids. Have your ever, grandkids ever been in a kitchen without a microwave? Okay. It's kind of like when you have your phone and then you show a picture of your kid with a phone with a dial on it. They don't, they don't recognize that, right? They don't know what that is. So I imagine that the technology is going to continue to improve. And since this workshop is a science of safe food, you know, we want to throw in a little bit of science so we're not cheating, cheating you out of your, your uh, experience here. Okay. So again, we're moving from primitive, primitive concepts 
such as dehydration to technologies used today. And safety is expected and mandated. And quality is desired and demanded from your customers. Okay. So first, we're going to define cook chill. So this is straight out of the regs. Okay. Cook chill, a utilized process of food preparation that involves a rapid chilling of cooked food. So then that food is then reheated at a later date as needed. Okay. So the origins of this process, um, it arose primarily through the need to reproduce, uh, to produce quality foods in advance. Okay. And this is in a, a highly reproducible way um, while maximizing the food safety. So it really was introduced in the 1960s for, for catering purposes, and this came with the advent of good refrigeration systems. Okay. So then in the early 1990s, um, it was then utilized in institutional settings, such as prisons, hospitals, schools. Um, we had much better and more efficient equipment to do these types of operations. Okay. So why use cook chill? Um, well, it's a, very, it's a safe process because you have less contact with the person that is producing the food. Um, because you're using pouches, you're using bags, which is going to serve as a, a, a barrier between um, the person pr producing it and the food product. Okay, so you're reducing um, the number of microorganisms and cross-contamination issues. So more reasons to use cook chill. Food quality might extend the shelf life of the product, maintain taste and texture, product appearance. It's going to reduce your product loss as well because of the product portioning. Um, you have less loss from a burnt product if you're using a sous vide process. Um, and also, you'll have reduced labor costs um, and increase in food profitability uh, and process profitability as well. So a lot of good reasons to use co the cook chill process. However, Along with the good process come regulations because of the earlier lecture we saw about all the different microorganisms that we have to be concerned about. Um, so this is highly regulated and has to be done correctly. So cook chill applications, it can be used on many different types of products that you can see up here. Meat products, fruits, vegetables, poultry, um, desserts, oils, cheeses, many other types of, of products. So we'll go through the process. Uh, we've got a flow diagram. Um, but first, uh, we have to go through a few definitions and terms. And again, um, most of these are taken straight out of the regulations. And we put these in here because we want this book to be a reference point for you. So instead of maybe digging through the food code, you kind of remember, oh, I think I saw that at the workshop. I'll just pull out that binder and, and see what's in there. So food preparation, pretty in intuitive, right? It's chopping. It's weighing, it's blending, it's slicing, it's all those things that you're doing prior to your, your cooking process. Cooking, again, self-explanatory. You are heating a product um, and transforming it for human consumption. Chilling, just the opposite of cook. You are lowering the temperature, and mainly this is done for preservation purposes and to stop the growth of organisms. Um, and cook chill, we already saw that definition. Cooking bag, so these are two important terms to consider. Um, so cooking bag, we'll look at this one 
Uh, we'll actually read this one. It's a cooking technique where food is placed into a sealed bag, partially heated or fully cooked in a water bath or steam chamber at specific temperatures and then chilled. Sous vide, French food preparation method or technique meaning under vacuum, where the food is placed into a vacuum sealed pouch, partially heated or fully cooked in a water bath or steam chamber at specific temperatures and then chilled. Okay, so just slightly different definitions for those, those two processes. Foodborne pathogen, um, we know what that is. That's some type of organism that will make you sick. Reduced oxygen packaging, this is ROP. Um, so one important point to make about reduced oxygen packaging is this is any food pouch where the oxygen content has been reduced to below 21%. So that's not, that's not specifically adding like a modified atmosphere. It's not specifically taking away air such as in vacuum sealed. It's kind of a more general term that's going to include all of those different processes. <coughs> and then shelf life, this is just the amount of time after preparation that a food is still edible. And that has to do with either safety or quality. So <clears throat> the cook chill process, there's two methods. And cook chill you can see is on the top bar while the cooking bag or sous vide is on the bottom bar. So these are color coded for ease of reading the charts. So you can see food prep is in red, cooks in green, and then the bagging process in yellow, and the chill and storage is in blue. So you can see there's just a slight difference in the order of the two processes. So the cook chill, that can be used with all types of cooking methods, um, no matter what you're doing, baking, roasting, steaming. With the cook chill, typically you can cook at higher temperatures. And in this process, you're hot filling into the pouch prior to, prior to cooling below 57 degrees. Cook in bag and sous vide. This is normally used for longer processes, one to seven hours, maybe even longer, maybe a few days. It's focused mainly on the temperature, but not so much as on the time. For each one of the steps that we saw, the food prep, cook, bagging, sealing, and chilling, there's going to be food safety concerns for each one of those processes. And as you can see on the chart, a lot of them are really similar. Okay, so in the food prep side, you have uh, vegetative cells of pathogens like salmonella, listeria, E. coli. You see those same ones that show up in the cook step. When you come down to the bagging and chilling and storage, that's where the profiles change a little bit. So from the early, earlier talk, we saw that um, some organisms are okay at the cold temperatures, like the Listeria monocytogenes. Certain strains of Clostridium botulinum are also okay at the lower temperatures. So the profile of the pathogens of concern change slightly depending on what part of the process that you're in. So, food prep. Again, the food preparation is pretty much going to be the same for either type of process. So whether you're using a cook chill, 
uh, cooking bag, sous vide type process, um, you're going to be doing pretty much the same things. And one thing that you can also be aware of is that you can prepare food for immediate use or for use at a later date, which makes it very convenient to incorporate some of these processes into your operation. So for food preparation, it's going to include all of these following types of operations, or some of them. You'll be cleaning the work area, which is kind of a pre-preparation stage, setting up your equipment, mixing your raw ingredients, chopping, dicing, blending, puree, perhaps even weighing ingredients, portioning them out in a particular way. Um, here you can see a picture of an actual process taking place. You might be cutting meat. You might be scaling fish, marinating, seasoning, any other kind of pre-cook process. So you see all these juices here? So it's pretty intuitive what the food safety concern is right there, a cross-contamination issue. Um, so you have to be very careful about sanitation on this part of the process. So let's look at this cooking bag, the bagging and sealing process. So there's going to be some safety concerns during this part of the process because um, you have raw ingredients. So at the cook prep or the preparation stage, you're going to have the environment, people, and your raw ingredients. And all of these can affect the, affect the food. Okay? So all of those parts would have to be controlled at that part of the process. Of course, if something happens, if you do have a disease outbreak from your facility, then you'll have sick people, loss in trust in your business, loss of profits, and it's very, very bad for business. Again, causes of contamination during prep, uh, poor sanitary practices, uh, everybody's aware of those things, um, dirty preparation areas, walls, floors, tables, unclean equipment, pest control issues, Listeria monocytogenes, uh, just a quick note about that one. That one can live in the environment and it's very hard to get rid of. It's seen a lot in drains, in cracks, in walls, so it's very important to maintain a clean environment to make sure this organism doesn't take hold. Again, maintenance workers, visitors, poor hygiene areas, um, personal protective equipment, hair nets, gloves. Um, I don't need to tell all of you about how important that is. You know better than we, we do here. E. coli, uh, just a quick note about that. Um, it used to be that we only thought that was in meat products, ground beef especially, but in the last 10 years it showed up, it has showed up a lot on vegetables spinach. There had been some outbreaks of spinach. Um, there was a lady in Omaha that was one of the deaths from that uh, spinach outbreak in about 2006. So um, even though we think that doesn't happen here, it does. <laughs> so and actually one of our students uh, was one of the uh, outbreak victims too. So about three years ago. Staph aureus, again, we learned about that one. That can produce a toxin that can cause illness. So cross-contamination, we want to avoid our raw 
be coming in contact with our cooked salmonella. Um, we learned from the earlier lecture, uh, of course, this is uh, high risk in chicken, poultry products. And again, there's naturally occurring pathogens from most of the ingredients that we'll have coming into our, our kitchen. So going back to our process steps, now we'll go to the cook step. So in the cook chill process, if you remember the chart, the cooking is the second step in this process. So there's a lot of different cooking options for here. So the product is going to be filled, hot filled into bags and there's a potential food safety risk at that step. For the cooking bag and sous vide process, cooking is the third step in that process. So the bagging of that food is going to happen prior to that cook. Okay. And so this is usually done with a, a low temperature cooking, um, but there's less risk for contamination. And again, you're going to be cooking it uh, after you've done the bagging step. Cooking, many, many different types of methods. And wow, I thought I had, we had one of the graduate students that kind of put this together for us. And I thought that he was so meticulous, he put them in alphabetical order. But I see they're not quite in alphabetical <laughs> order. So. <laughs> So cooking, um, boiling or steaming, a couple of different options there. Again, you're going to be sealing those bags and placing them directly into water or steam, like you can see in this picture over here, two different water baths. The cook times and temperatures, they'll vary by the product. So we have a slide on picking a sous vide unit, and that's going to be the next one coming up. But if you're looking at perhaps purchasing one of these, here's some considerations you might think about, um, such as the cooking capacity. How much are you going to be needing to produce at one, any one time? Um, do you need a digital or dial thermometer? Um, calibration, how do you calibrate that thermometer? Um, one of the places that we visited uh, used an external thermometer. Um, and then they only used the digital thermometer on the unit as to kind of ballpark it. Okay. You might be looking at things like uh, whether it has a circulator or no circulator, timers or an auto shutoff. Of course, the, the fancier you get, the higher the price, right? So what we've done is we've put a list of some of the um, manufacturers of these devices and it's based on price. So up here the one dollar sign means reasonable all the way down to the four dollar signs and those are more controlled cook chill systems. Okay. So a little bit about the regulations and food safety. So we have two to worry about here, FDA, USDA in addition to all uh, the local regulations, which typically go off of the uh, um, state and federal regulations. So you have the two 2013 food code. Um, so this is going to have all the food safety rules that are going to be used for food service establishments. Um, it's updated every four years. And um, so this is in place to help food service establishments avoid uh, foodborne illnesses. Does everybody have this on their desktop? Refers to it every other day? No. 
or you just call call somebody who knows and says, "Hey, what do I do?" So that's what I do. I call Andrea. What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> so the cooking requirements in the food code. Um, we took this directly out of Section three dash four hundred one dash eleven. Um, so it's got different uh, temperatures and times for different types of products. Um, so you can look, look these up if you need to. There's food code cooking charts. And again, these were taken from the FDA food code. So it gives the temperature in uh, Celsius and Fahrenheit and the time in minutes. So uh, obviously you can see as the temperature goes up, the length of time cook goes down. This is taken from a review paper done by Baldwin in 2012. And this is the time required to pasteurize meat, poultry, and fish. So we scanned a copy of this directly uh, in. So it might be a little bit difficult to see, but I think it's big enough that you'll be able to read those, those numbers. So the way you read this is in this left-hand column, this is the thickness in millimeters. Okay. of whatever piece of meat you have. And then at the top row, this is your temperature. So right now we're looking at 134.6 or 57 degrees Celsius. And then we come down here and it's going to give you the recommended time in hours and minutes if you have this size of meat. Okay. So it might be a useful table for you to at least get started when you're looking at different cuts and thicknesses in terms of how to cook that, that piece of meat. And so you can see in the previous one, um, it went from 55 up to 60. And then the second table, it just continues on from 61 to 66. Okay, Again, millimeters, and then temperatures, and then the times. Okay? So it's just two slides, but it's the same table. After? Oh yeah, that, so that's time after you've come up to that temperature. Okay. Right, right. Total time. It's not total time. Time to come up to temperature. So USDA, um, they regulate meat and poultry products, and they are covered under this particular statute. Would be seven CFR sixty. 107 for food service establishments. Um, so it talks about the lethality requirements for meat products. So in the earlier lecture, we saw those charts where we were looking at those five log reductions and what that meant. Now when you look at this, it has a little bit more meaning. So for cooked beef requirements, the lethality is 6.5 log reduction of salmonella. So you would have to base the cooking codes and the cooking times are based on a 6.5 reduction of salmonella. And then for poultry, it's a little higher because we know that salmonella is on poultry. Okay? Of course, no sea botulinum is allowed to grow. This is Appendix A from the USDA chart. So these are little tiny numbers over here. This is the entire chart. So all we did is we exploded this out into a bigger chart so we could take a look at it on, for the purposes of this lecture. Again, you have your degrees over here 
and your lethality that's required for a 6.5 log reduction or a 7 log reduction. Again, just a little bit longer time at that temperature is required. So this is your guidance for meat and poultry products. Okay? And again, this is internal temperature after you've come up to that temperature. A few processing considerations. Um, obviously, safety is first. Um, you want to make sure that you're reaching your times and temperatures for whatever product you're producing. And the food code has a specific mention of unpasteurized food and it's how it can be held. Okay. Some other safety concerns. Um, we know that cooking is our kill step. It's the main way to control pathogens. Okay, so we want to make sure that we're reach, reaching those adequate times and temperatures to make sure the food is safe um, because we have all of these guys, E. coli, salmonella, and listeria, um, that could potentially be in the food. But cooking, we know it always kills them. It always kills those vegetative cells. Clostridium, just note about that, it can survive the, the cook process because it can produce those heat resistant spores. Okay. This chart just uh, shows a little bit on uh, the organism and their resistance and their minimum growth temperatures. Okay. So just to summarize real quick. So we have three types of cooking. We have the cook chill, we have the cook in bag, and the sous vide process. You can use it for many different types of foods, meat products, vegetables. Um, poultry. You have the food prep step, the cook step, the bagging or sealing step, including ROP, and then you have the chilling step. So food safety is the main concern with um, cross-contamination and the raw ingredients. Those are the two main sources of microorganisms that will be coming in uh, to the process. Okay. And again, we have many organisms of concern um, but if the process is done correct, they are eliminated.